and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. I have something to show you today. Oh, what is it? So you have heard of the Isle of Misfit Toys. Yes, I have. This is my basket of misfit yarn. (gasps) No. (laughs) Okay. Secret keeper. This happens to all of us. One way or another, these skeins come to be with us. They come Mm -hmm. into our lives. (laughs) We have no big picture idea for what to do with them. Maybe at the moment when we acquired them, maybe when they were given to us, these come into our lives in all sorts of ways. But it's here now. What do I do with it? That's a big question, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) I am ready for a big answer. Oh, wow. All right, so Karen has misfit yarn in her basket. Perhaps we should take a moment for our dear Make Good listeners and tell them what we're talking about. What is misfit yarn? And when I say what is misfit yarn, it's not your naughty, fresh, bad behaving yarn. Like that's, <laughs> that's miscreant yarn or something. <laughs> uh-huh. The misfit yarn in your stash are the skeins, maybe a single skein, maybe two or three skeins, that are hanging out together, and they don't really fit in with the other skeins. We're talking Ali Sheedy and the Breakfast Club here. <laughs> when aren't we talking Ali Sheedy and the Breakfast Club? <laughs> okay, that's a good question. <laughs> These misfit skeins may have come to you in a bunch of different ways, and because of their individual yarny journeys, they are maybe not necessarily what you would normally have in your stash. So perhaps you're a sweater knitter, you knit with lots of untreated woolly wool in like DK and worsted weight, and somehow in your skein, you have mohair silk blends hanging out in one corner of your Rubbermaid bin, (laughs) or highly speckled single-ply fingering weight yarn. Where did this come from? Don't know, but it's there. Everybody has an aesthetic. They have something that they like, that they gravitate towards. Sometimes it's just a color. Sometimes it's a texture. People really like jewel tones. And here's this pastel green that they're not really sure where it came from or how it could be incorporated into their life. (laughs) But it's here. Sometimes these things are, I'm going to say, impulse purchases. Sometimes the yarn will trick you and jump into your basket all on its own. Like you're at a fiber event. You and your friend have gotten in the car. You drove two hours to this fiber event and you're in this vendor's booth and you pick up this yarn and the name of the colorway is a lyric from the song you were just listening to. And now you just have to take it home with you. And it doesn't really matter what it looks like until later when you look at it and go, huh, did I black out? (laughs) Right. How did this come home with me? (laughs) It happens. Hmm. So that's surprise yarn. If you are somebody who has ever done like a yarn subscription, Mm -hmm. things arrive at your door. (laughs) They come to be with you. In our case, this week in the shop, we're doing our Easter Pibble bags. Yeah, the Easter Pibble came and visited lots of knitters last week. There were all sorts of surprise goodies in those bags. And for some people, they received them and went, it's exactly what I've always wanted. And it was perfect for their aesthetic. And other people opened the bags and went, oh, wow, I don't know what to do with this. Absolutely. And it's all part of your knitter journey. (laughs) The Easter Pibble has good taste. 
It might not be your taste, but there are fun (laughs) things arriving. And that's the fun of mystery bags. If you're not open to the element of surprise, you don't buy mystery bags. Right. So you might get them in that way, or sometimes you just shop online for yarn and you can see pictures of it. And maybe it's because of the photo quality or the color of your particular monitor, or it's three dye lots later and the color has shifted. It's just not 100% what you were expecting. And now you have some misfit skeins. So we're going to help you figure out what to do with that yarn today. Jessica was saying that there's one question that you start with as you're trying to figure out what to do with these skeins. It's a big one. We are digging deep here. We're going on an emotional fiber journey. (laughs) So get ready. Light a candle. Close your eyes. (laughs) Sit alone in the room with your yarn. This is like Marie Kondo. Look at these misfit yarn skeins and ask yourself, is this yarn special? All yarn is special. We know that. But when I say ask, is this yarn special? I mean, some narrow things. In order to get to a designation of, yes, this yarn is special, there has to be a named reason. Like, my dear sweet grandmama gave me this skein. (laughs) Maybe it's from your first out-of-state fiber festival, and you got to hug sheep, and you got yarn from that sheep, even though you only ever knit with cotton. Now you have wool from a sheep that you met, and it's special. (laughs) Is this fiber rare yarn? Right. Have you stumbled across some kiviet in a trash bag? Some cashgora at an estate sale? All of these things are special for different reasons. Yes. So hold on to that thought. Put them on your stitch holders. (laughs) Because now we're going to define what designates a no skein. And by no skein, that doesn't mean you can't knit with it. Mm -hmm. It just means that it's not a special skein. Yeah. So no skeins of misfit yarn are random skeins. And when I say random skeins, I mean you pick it up and pull it out of wherever you keep your stash and you go, huh, where did this come from? (laughs) I have no memory of this. (laughs) I'm not real sure what it is. Maybe it doesn't even have a ball band. And you're like, wow, total mystery. I don't know what I'm holding. That's not special. That's no longer misfit. It's now mystery yarn. Go back to the Yarn Detectives episode. I was going to say, (laughs) now you get to do Yarn Detective. Or maybe it was like super cool eight years ago when you got it. And now you're like, I have questions for me eight years ago. (laughs) That happens to me a lot. I find that whenever I go through my stash, I do the thing where it's like close enough to my decision to get this yarn in the first place that I will hang on to it. And then at some point it like goes stale. You know what it's like? And we're a little sideways here, but I feel like everyone's going to be able to relate to this. It's like looking at old pictures of yourself and thinking, why is my hair like that? Yep. (laughs) At the time you were like, oh yeah, this is excellent hair. (laughs) And then at some point you're like, "Mm, no, that was... That was a choice that I'm not making again. (laughs) And if you feel like that when you look at the skeins in your misfit pile, it's a no. Those are not special skeins to you anymore. They're just yarn that's available to you for some purpose. All right. So we've gotten to a point where we have designated piles. Mm -hmm. Let's say we've made piles. We have our misfit stash, and we've got a yes pile of special yarn, and we've got a no pile of just some regular yarn. We won't be mean about it. It's just regular. Right. It's basic. It's, <laughs> it's your sweet yarn baby. But 
if your yarn is special. Let's ask a couple of questions about what to do with it that will perhaps spark some deeper thought and send you on a decision-making journey. We're not giving answers here. We're just giving you points to ponder. So your special yarn can just be special in and of itself. It doesn't necessarily mean it was expensive. It doesn't have to be a rare fiber. It might be those things, but it's okay if it's just sentimental special yarn. And sometimes those skeins live that way in perpetuity. Right. If the value that it has is in like holding this sentiment, it can keep doing that while still twisted up in a hank. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You could take it out of your Rubbermaid bin and put it on a shelf if you want to look at it and feel those feelings or not. Just knowing that it's there is fine. Yeah. If you are in a place where you're like, this is my special yarn and I would like to knit with it, take a little bit of time to think about the fiber content of this yarn. Let this be your divining rod. Look at that ball band and say, (laughs) hmm, this is 100% finish wool, or this is a cotton and silk blend. Your fibers that are in front of you have qualities and properties that make them special in and of themselves. And those properties are better or not so great suited to particular techniques and aesthetics, depending on what you're interested in. So once you identify what you've got in front of you, if you're familiar with that fiber, that's great. And if you're not, spend a little bit of time doing some homework to learn more about it and how it's going to behave, because that will help inform your choices about what you want to make this yarn into. A lot of the time, and I'm thinking specifically of like what Jessica just said about like maybe it's 100% finished wool. If the reason that it's special is because of where it comes from or some way that it's been processed, finding projects that were created in that same tradition can sometimes be like, oh, that's what this was meant to be. It's definitely worth paging through a book of patterns or scrolling through Ravelry or going through someone's blog to see if this beautiful Scottish lambswool and Kate Davies unite in your brain to make you think, oh, perfect. That's the project for that special skein. Not that I have beautiful Scottish lambswool on the brain or anything. I think you do. (laughs) Very much. And I think the other big question I would ask as you're considering these things is, is this a skein that I would like to showcase all by itself and I will let it exist in a single color project in all of its glory? Or is this something that I'm willing to fold into some larger project so that it is used and loved and is part of something bigger. There are different ways to approach using single skeins of yarn in particular, but whatever yardage you have doesn't always equal the scope of project that you generally like to make. So there are different ways to accommodate that and make it work. And this works really well, particularly for the like color misfit skeins. Mm -hmm. Like if I ended up with a misfit skein of chartreuse and neon green speckles, there's something appealing about it, but I can't really picture myself wearing a chartreuse and neon green speckled hat in my life. Maybe incorporating that as the color work will help me like see what I actually want to do with it in a way that I'm going to find inspiring because it doesn't have to be fabric by itself. Okay, so what if your yarn is not special? Maybe it's just regular yarn but it's misfit yarn because it is an outlier to your typical yarn usage. This is the where did this come from skein of yarn. There are so many of those. It's true. It's true. (laughs) So here are some things I like to think about when I'm addressing the not-so-special skeins of yarn. Consider whether you want to knit with this at all. 
Because that's a big question mark for me Mm -hmm. on the regular. Just because it's there doesn't mean you have to. Some days I look at those skeins and I think, back to the stash with you. (laughs) I cannot think about you. I have no vision for what you could become. I'm not ready to get rid of you yet. Just go back to the stash. And that's where it goes. Some days I look at those skeins and I think, get out of my house. (laughs) I've sent you back to stash 15 times now. Clearly this cycle will not end until I break it. And that means perhaps it's taking a trip to the little free craft library or to a local thrift store or to a kindergarten classroom somewhere. It just needs to go anywhere, absolutely anywhere but where I am. Another thing to think about is whether or not you're a gift knitter. Absolutely. Because if you are a gift knitter, welcome to your surprise gift knitting supplies. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes I think, particularly if it's yarn that has come to you from someone, it is very possible that they looked at that and said, I like that. I Mm -hmm. like that yarn. And my person who's a knitter, I'm going to give it to them. But you could turn that right back around and say, I know you like this. Here's your new hat. (laughs) Here's your new mittens. It's the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) It's like re-gifting, but made better. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the same bottle of Plumeria Bath and Body Works lotion that just keeps getting passed around at the office Yankee Swap. All right. Are we ready for my favorite question for No, You're Not Special Misfit Yarn? Yes. Are you ready to learn a new skill? Oh, that's genius. Because guess what? You have classroom yarn. You have practice yarn. If you look at a skein and you're like, I don't know where this came from. Very unclear about where this appeared in my stash, when this appeared in my stash. I would have never bought this, but now I have it. Use it for something that you don't care about as a finished project. Use it as practice yarn. I've always wanted to try steaking. I've always wanted to try dropping a bunch of stitches. You have materials for that now. Mm -hmm. That is maybe the highest purpose that a misfit skein can serve in that it makes you a better, more skillful knitter. Absolutely. It may not be special. It may not be something you want to make an entire project out of, but it's still yarn. And it still will serve the function of yarn, which is letting you do wild things to it with sticks until you get better at doing things with sticks. Practice your brioche. So there's lots of stuff that you could do or that I could do with this basket of misfit skeins. You have probably a few misfit skeins in your stash as well. So take them out, identify them, and spend a little bit of time thinking about what they can do for you in your knitting practice. Speaking of knitting practice. Karen, what's on your needles? (laughs) Something new, totally unexpected new thing. Amazing. So last week, I was feeling some stress about my trip knitting. Mm -hmm. I still haven't settled on my trip knitting, but I was just on Ravelry and I saw a pattern called Sunshine on My Shoulders by Lisa Jane, J-A-Y-N-E. And it was in that new Ravelry section where they're like, debut patterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a bottom-up sweater. It has intarsia, like a big sort of sunrise probably, or sunset, depending on what you want, I suppose. Motif on the front, very like retro 70s aesthetic. And I'm really excited about it. And I'm knitting it out of the dapple because I touched Jessica's yarn and I had to knit with it. What's on your needles? The tempting dapple that I was working (laughs) with last week. 
So I'm still working on my Saraswati top by Julie McKessie. And I am, I'm going to say over a third of the way into the body, which is feeling pretty good. For my size, I've got 93 rows and I'm in the 30-something rows. Karen is looking at me with a quizzical look on her face. I'm doing math in long torso and I'm feeling upset. (laughs) Yeah, those are not my issues. So (laughs) I'm working on it and I'm hoping that I will be finished with it before we depart so that that way I can take a different project with me and I can just stick that in my bag and wear it somewhere in Scotland. One way or another, it's coming with you. No, only one way. Only if it's finished. (laughs) I'm definitely bringing a different project to knit on the plane and while we're traveling. Are you ready for a letter? I am. It's going to be the last one for a little while. So let's do this. This week's letter comes from Kelsey. Hi, Kelsey. I am currently working on my first garments. They're both plant fiber t-shirts, and I'm looking forward to making my first wool sweater and cardigan next. However, I'm becoming overwhelmed by the range of wool choices. Until now, I've made hats, shawls, and cowls using Superwash Merino almost exclusively. I'd like to use non-Superwash both to reduce the environmental impact of my knitting and also for the structure and longevity of the things I knit. And then this is a multi-part question. Okay. One, would a non-superwash cardigan become felted if it was soaked in an unforeseen rainy downpour? Two, is it true that non-superwash fabric retains its shape better? Three, does GOTS certified superwash behave differently with blocking and wearing than regular superwash? And four, finally, could you do an episode about different types of wool like BFL, Targi, Shetland, Cormo, etc.? Woo, Kelsey. That's awesome and lots of questions. (laughs) So I'm going to see if I can address them succinctly for you. So let's start with the question about your untreated wool cardigan being in the rain. Is it going to felt? The answer is no. Your sweater is not going to felt if you get rained on. Felting happens when two factors are applied to knitted wool or non-knitted wool. The first one is agitation. There needs to be like some sort of friction, rubbing, some sort of activity happening on that fiber. And two is heat. So hot water is when your fiber is prone to felting. Cold water, not so much. Wool is wet many, many, many times before it's turned into yarn. It's wet during processing of fleeces. It's wet during dyeing processes. Wool is wet all the time. And untreated wool is great to wear when you're out in the rain because it's not going to absorb that water. You're going to have to like really get soaked for your sweater to be wet all the way through. It's going to help to keep you dry. So if you're out in the rain, which presumably is cold, we have big environmental issues if you're out in a hot rain, (laughs) you are going to be fine. You're going to want to towel off at some point, but your sweater will dry. Nothing bad is going to happen to it. So to speak to your next question, is it true that non-superwash fabric retains its shape better? 100%. -hmm. It definitely does. Untreated wool still has all of the texture that makes wool woolly and magical. 
And when you have super washed wool, it makes those fibers smooth. And I think that that definitely has impact on the elasticity. It just kind of stretches and hangs differently. It loses some of its snap back. So your super wash sweaters will stretch out in ways that your untreated wool sweaters just don't. All right, your next question was, does got certified superwash behave differently with blocking and wearing than regular superwash? I don't know. I think that treated wool all has similar elements of behavior. And I think that untreated wool has kind of general elements of behavior too. But skein to skein, depending on the fiber content and the gauge to which it's knitted, all sorts of factors and variables are involved here. And I think there would need to be some body of information collected where there are similar variables to gauge whether that's an empirically true statement or whether it's like, meh, it depends on what you're doing with it and how you're treating it. I think generally speaking, it sounds like what Kelsey is maybe suggesting is a GOTS certified non-superwash treatment as sort of a middle ground between what she's worried about happening with untreated wool and what she's worried about happening with treated wool. Mm -hmm. I would suggest that in that situation, even though it's not really superwash, it's still being treated. And for the purposes of making that call, I would lump got certified non-superwash process in with the superwash process for how you could generally expect it to behave, all other things being equal. Right. And then to answer your final question, could you do an episode about different types of wool like BFL, Targi, Shetland, and Cormo? We did. I'm going to refer you back to episode 13, which is called Fiber Palooza, where we talked about lots of different fibers, including alpaca, some non-sheep stuff, but many varieties of wool fibers. So there's some pretty good information there that might spark your interest and inspire you to go dig deeper to learn more about a specific type of sheep before you pick your yarn for your next project. It's like a good primer in wool varieties. I also think those are things we will be looping back around to. There's always something new to tell people about the exciting, wonderful world of fiber. <laughs> so those are amazing questions, Kelsey. And it seems like you're on a really thoughtful journey to choosing yarn for your bigger scale of projects, your garment pieces. And we're excited to find out what sweaters you decide to knit and what fiber you land on. So make sure that you update us so we can follow your sweater journey. I'm hoping for an Instagram post in the rain, or maybe after the rain. A rain-related sweater rain. <laughs> update. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're going to be dry. So while we're in Letterland still, we received an informational update from Skater Nan, who has some travel tips for you. We recently talked about knitting needles being allowed on planes, and Skater Nan has an update for us. So TSA will let you travel with knitting needles and supplies, but TSA is not the only regulatory body that determines what's allowed on flights depending on where you are traveling. So you might be able to travel domestically in the United States or leave this country with your knitting. You may struggle to get back in with your knitting. <laughs> right. Because Skater Nan has updated us to let us know that she was flying into the United States from Cancun, Mexico. And the regulatory body in Mexico said no, no to those knitting needles and took them away from her. So if you're planning to do some travel and you're leaving the country that you reside in, 
you might consider finding out whether or not you're allowed to bring your needles on a flight based in the country that you will be in returning back home from. You want to keep your needles. And if you want to take your knitting with you, maybe bring a self-addressed stamped envelope to mail them back to you in case of knitting police. (laughs) (laughs) We finally found them. Or maybe they finally found us. In the airports. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of airports and travel. We have a Scotland update. As you are listening to this, we are there on our woolen whiskey tour. (laughs) I think as you're listening to this, we have just gotten off our red eye flight and are probably very tired. Oh, speak for yourself. I am (laughs) hitting the ground running. I am ready to go. Oh, yep. Jessica's already chasing sheep all across the countryside. I'm chasing sheep and drinking whiskey and my knitting is with me. Yes. So we're going to be taking lots and lots of pictures. We're going to be posting to our Instagram account, at MakeGoodPod. We're also going to be posting to our Patreon account, and we're going to be making the posts about the trip accessible to all of the patron tiers. And we're going to be talking about it a lot when we get back. So you're not missing anything, but also if you want to see pictures and follow along, you could do that in multiple ways. We hope you're having knitting adventures too. I think that's all for this week. And next week. And next week. Because we're not taking microphones with us to Scotland. (laughs) You can listen to us everywhere, including wherever you're listening to us right now. If you haven't subscribed yet, what's stopping you? You can follow us on Instagram at MakeGoodPod. There's going to be some sheet pictures coming up soon. Big, huge thank you to our Patreon supporters. You are amazing and we appreciate you. And you allow us to do this every week without taking on advertisers. You can visit our website, makegoodpod.com, and check out the show notes and the transcripts of the episodes, which we're pretty excited about. You can send us letters using the contact form on our website, or you can send an email directly to dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. We will talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.